Hello. 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 Welcome to Under One Roof. Under One Roof. Under One Roof. Under One Roof. A podcast about multi-generational households living through the pandemic. We are anthropology students. We are anthropology students from Cal Poly Pomona. Over the past few years, we've interviewed people living together in households consisting of children, parents, and grandparents during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, now, under the leadership of our professor, our professor, Dr. Amy Dow, we want to share the stories we've uncovered. We want to share the stories, stories we've, we've uncovered. uncovered. In this segment, we will be opening up a conversation about how isolation in multi-generational households affected mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Kai. I am 21 years old and I am of Filipino descent. Some of my hobbies include hanging out with my dog. He's a pit bull and his name's Koa. Love him so much. I like to watch movies, read sometimes, and write when I have the time. I also really love animals. Um, I'm an anthropology student, but one of my backup careers was to be a vet. Hello, my name is Susie. I am of Hispanic descent, so a Mexican to be exact. One thing I really love doing is reading any genre really, but mostly romance, like I tend to gravitate towards like those teen romance books. We're fourth year students at Cal Poly Pomona. And personally, we both come from multi-generational households ourselves. And in our culture, we tend to either take care of our elders or have them move back in with us, or we simply never leave the nest. Yeah, and me being Filipino, you being Mexican, it's kind of integrated in our cultures because our cultures are both family oriented and you can see that um, is a trend in multi-gen households as a lot of them are minority groups and um, people of color. And with these past few years during the pandemic, it has made it difficult. Um, well, quarantining for one, once one person gets sick, then it's hard to completely isolate because we're all in the same house. But also having multiple generations in one household means that there is a high risk group living there, that being the elderly. So there are complications there as well. I know for me, it was most difficult trying to see how I'm going to distance myself from people or to constantly take, be careful with where I go, who I talk to, making sure I am doing what I need to to keep my grandparents safe because they were living with me during that time. Yeah, me too. I had to keep those things in mind. Um, I didn't go out that often, but when I did, I was really concerned with who I was interacting with. I remember always asking someone if they wanted to hang out, but they'd have to provide a negative COVID test and wear a mask, and we could only be outdoors. So that was a big issue for my mental health as well, because my um, socialization was very limited. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to comply with what you want to do because right. they feel a little bit uncomfortable. I know that when it came to me asking someone if they can wear their mask, they would always say, like, there's no need for it when in reality there was because while they might not have been living in a multi-generational household, I was. Right. Again, like that high risk group being there, it's harder for them to recover if they do. Um so it was just really difficult having to keep that in mind, but also sacrificing my like sanity, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so because 
our socializations were limited. We couldn't really see our friends or go out. We had to isolate as much as we could. It created an all-time anxiety and stress high, especially with being cooped up. I interviewed Rebecca, who also lives in a multi-generational household. She is a married woman in her 40s who lives with her husband, her son, and her husband's parents. We had a really interesting talk on mental health and how she coped during the pandemic. So, you know, being cooped up during the beginning of pandemic, I can understand now why so many people now are the way they are because they didn't see sunlight. They were in fear. They were in anxiety. So now that we have the opportunity to get out and to socialize and to um, just to be out there, hopefully we'll regain what we lost during the beginning of pandemic. I also noticed that there was a surge in seeking mental health help services like on social media. Do you remember seeing a lot of those colorful infographics about how you can get help and about mental health? Yes, I do actually. Like anywhere, let's I would be driving to like the store and everywhere I would look, it was there was a billboard that said like need help call this number. Yeah, and it was really nice seeing people encouraging to talk about it because I know that in the previous generations, like my parents or my grandparents, they didn't really talk about mental health as much. Therapy, was, I feel like for them, therapy was kind of prohibited. Right. Or not talked about because they saw it as a taboo. A sign of weakness. <laughs> right. To and, say um, it's really interesting because the Pew Research Report conducted a study and they found that 38% of people were feeling anxious and 51% of people were feeling depressed as opposed to 17% of people feeling hopeful. So that really highlights the anxiety and the pessimistic attitude towards life during the pandemic. And I found it really interesting that when they conducted this study, a lot of the questions that they pulled were from a tool that therapists use called the TPI, the Treatment Progress Indicator. Um, for me, I went to therapy and it's a set of questions that are very standardized and they would ask you to kind of gauge where you're at. I've never been to therapy, like to a professional, professional therapist, but where I work, we do have a psychologist that works with students and he basically used the same thing. He asked me a series of questions and then it was like, okay, like this is what's going on and this is why you feel a certain way. And I mean, it's for me, it was very helpful because I can see where the problem was coming from and see what I can do to change certain things or like improve certain ways. So I wouldn't feel so like stressed or have like so, so much social anxiety. And I'm glad you were able to reach out and get that help. Did those questions kind of help you? Did they make you become more self-aware? I definitely think it made me become more self-aware helpful wise i'm not really sure about that yet <laughs> yet <laughs> well it is it is a process right yeah as long as you're taking that first step the first step is always the hardest but um i guess one of the earlier steps is being aware and this data really shows us that people were reaching out and they wanted to be aware of their situation um which tells you a lot because there has the problem has to manifest itself enough 
for an individual to be like, okay, there's something wrong. I have to do something about it. Right. right? I think that I still have major social anxiety and I still need to fidget with a lot of things to get through certain days, certain times of the day. And it usually happens between like one o'clock and five when I'm like the busiest and around the most amount of people. And like I see it slowly reducing itself, but it's still like there. Like it's a noticeable trait that I've gotten out of the pandemic. Right. And it's a lot to go through. Like it does change you mentally. Right. So I feel like traces are always going to be there. Right. But I'm proud of you for getting through that. (laughs) It's a really hard thing to do. And I feel like a lot of people don't hear that enough that, you know, they should be proud of how far they come. Right. Like for me, for the beginning of the pandemic, I was on SSRIs, which are antidepressants. And I feel like as the pandemic eased up and I started socializing again, I didn't really need them as much. And I didn't want to depend on them. So I did taper off of those. And I'm completely off of them now. I feel a lot better going out more. And kind of just venturing out. Because the pandemic kind of happened at weird ages for us, huh? Because we were graduating. We had just graduated high school. Our first semester of college. And then all of a sudden, we had to go into, I guess, lockdown? Mm -hmm. Right? And we were basically at our, like, prime socialization, in our prime socialization era, and then we didn't really know what to do. Right, it's kind of like we were stuck at that freshly out of high school mindset, but we still had to grow up. We still had to do the things that college kids did, but in our own homes. Yeah, and I don't know, like, in living a college experience and trying to maintain that college experience that everybody talks about and everybody loves while living in a multi-generation household that's just kind of harder than it is than if i we were to be dorming like most people usually do right because if they get sick then they can just isolate by themselves or they have like what one roommate at most But for us, it's different. For other people, they have so many people in their houses. I remember in one, um, someone had about, I want to say about nine, eight or nine people living in their one-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles. So I can't even imagine how hard that must have been for them. Yeah. Living with, like, four people in my house is already enough. Like, I don't know how. And that's not a house. Like... I don't know how they managed with 10 people in one bedroom apartment. Yeah, I also feel like, in a way, it's sort of a blessing because I know that since we still had to isolate, um, I really enjoyed having everybody home. But with those extra bodies, you just have to be careful of who you interact with, who everybody interacts with, because we're so close together the whole covid pandemic and isolating with your family and everything in between that i did find out that my sister was funny so she was (laughs) she actually made me laugh a couple of times so there were good things that came out of spending family time 
and isolating with your families. Yeah, I also feel like people don't highlight the positive things that came out of it, even though it's, you know, it's a whole pandemic. It was kind of crazy, a whole fiasco. But I feel like there were some good things that came out of it. Definitely. And then, of course, everybody had their COVID pandemic glow up. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have yours? I did have mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we just had so much free time. And I remember people were picking up more hobbies, like making banana bread. Banana banana bread? Yeah, they were making banana bread in their own kitchens or like um, doing at-home workouts. So it was fun seeing people document their progress. So I thought that was cool, too. A lot of people learned a lot of new things. And a lot of time spent on TikTok. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, TikTok and Instagram. But... (laughs) You know, that's also where people started talking about mental health more and just sharing their experiences. Right. Because I thought I was the only one feeling the same, like feeling anxiety, feeling like pressure to be safe and all this. And then I realized like, oh, I'm not the only one feeling this. Like there's other people from different generations that are on that are saying what they need to say on TikTok. And it's like, oh, wait, so it's not just my generation or it's not just my group of friends it's everybody yeah and there's just something so healing about shared experiences which creates a sense of community and it just goes to show that you're really not alone it's more common than you a think. big problem that a lot of people and myself um, suffered from mental health issues during covid and isolation was having panic and anxiety attacks. I don't know if you ever... I, I did. I had my fair share of more anxiety attacks than panic attacks because I was kind of had this anxiety of should I step out of my house or not? And it was constant. Like it, I would wake up and it would be a constant from morning to night. And did it? did you have a certain trigger or would it just happen? I think my trigger was knowing my mom still had to go to work and she had to leave the house. So it was more like a one person's already leaving the household. And, and only one person should leave to reduce the risk. Right. And there's those kind of questions and thoughts constantly at the back of your mind because you're constantly worrying about who you can and can't interact with. And the steps you have to take to be safe. Like, it's not like before where you could just go out and meet somebody, you know? It's it's a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, I did suffer from a lot of both panic and anxiety attacks. Like, I remember I would spend about an hour or so in the bathroom kind of just waiting it out. But this was before I took my medication, so it was really hard to control that. And these episodes easily lasted from, like half an hour to more than an hour and I didn't really know how to deal with it or what to do because there was no specific trigger and I know that a lot of people suffered from that too and it could be especially frustrating right exactly and I believe you did re-interview Rebecca correct yes I did actually she had a few mentions of how her mental health was affected by COVID isolation And she brought up some really interesting points, like in the interview, how being cooped up 
really just affected her mentally. And she had some really interesting points in the follow-up interview as well. She spoke a lot about how getting closer to her faith helped her. Well, I'm a strong believer in God and faith. So I've been so much in my life that um, I've been through so much in my life to know that with God, I have everything and with God, I have nothing. So that is what we turn to in our time of need during pandemic at any time in our life. And we've taught our son that is that um, like if in doubt, when in doubt or when concerned, prayer really helps us. And so that's what we did. So you can see how that really affected them mm -hmm. and how it affected their daily lives and just how it changed the way that people went about things and what they had to avoid if they could. And if they couldn't, that definitely takes a toll on their mental health. Even for people who are non-religious or are atheists, I think it goes beyond that. Like just having strong faith in something, whether that be religion or goals, like short-term goals or long-term goals. It's just believing that you can get to where you want to be. I think that really does help having faith in something, whether that be in yourself, whether you can do something that you put your mind to. I think that really does help because it keeps you motivated. Yeah. Here's some food for thought. What would you say to those who are suffering from mental health issues due to isolation? Do you have any advice or words of encouragement for them? Because I know personally... I would say, like, even if you feel at your lowest, don't forget that there are always people you can reach out to. And one piece of advice I would really recommend is really asking for help because health matters. Your mental health matters. And there are resources there to help you. Yeah, thank you, Susie. I think that if I heard that when I was feeling pretty low and alone, it would definitely help a little bit. My piece of advice is that isolation doesn't mean that you're completely alone. What you're feeling is valid and common. So there's probably others who are close to you who are feeling the same thing, but you just don't know it. And you can always talk about it and never be afraid to ask for help if you need it. And with that being said, there are a few resources that uh, we are providing that could definitely help. If you are a student at Cal Poly Pomona, there is a center called CAPS that are offering mental health services, and the number is 909-869-3220, and you can call by phone or drop in. Um, and another resource, if you are not a Cal Poly Pomona student and just need therapy in general, you can seek your provider, or you can go on betterhelp.com, and it is a convenient and affordable therapy and you can find any therapist near you or any location that you choose. Thank you all for listening, and thank you to all of our featured guests. Under One Roof was created with financial support from Cal Poly Pomona and the National Science Foundation. Shout out to Story Center for production and storytelling guidance. You can find more information about this podcast and our findings at our webpage under oneroof.buzzsprouts.com. Under one roof. Cal Poly Pomona.